It is a good morning. Hey, how good was that worship, huh? So good. I, uh, I want to say a few things about that. A couple of things. This Sunday is a special Sunday because our new worship pastor, uh, Boschman Upchurch and his wife, Laura, they are in attendance with us for their very first actual Sunday. Bosch and Laura, would you guys stand so people know who you are? I know. This is Bosch and Laura. And... Uh, we're, we're resting his golden vocals till next week, but then next week uh, he'll be doing what he does. Uh, we want to welcome you to Faith Baptist Church. Uh, we love you, and you're going to learn to love us eventually. You have to. It's what the Bible commands you to do. So uh, let me say this about our church, Bosch and Laura, in case you don't know. Uh, we are a bunch of screwed up people. I'm tell- Is that not right, Faith Baptist Church? We are a hot mess in Jesus' name, and it is, it is a joy to welcome a few more hot messes into our life with you guys and your kids. It's, it's going to be a, a wonderful thing. I also want to say this. Um, over the past few months, when Brother Stephen left, we thought, oh gosh, what are we going to do? And there is a young man um, that filled in and took our worship, and not only did he fill the worship, but he did an unbelievable job bringing our worship team together and leading in excellence. So ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says give honor where honor is due. He is my best friend. He's adorable. He's got great, great taste in friends. And uh, his name is Josh Howard. So Josh, thank you, my friend. It has been, it has been, it has been so It has been so good, and I'm so proud of you watching you lead. He does it all the time. He's done it for years at his last church and with the students, but seeing him up on this stage leading us during a time where people go, oh, whatever shall we do to realize, you know what? God's got this, doesn't he? And uh, God doesn't need any of us, but he wants us, and he'll use us, and that's a, a beautiful, wonderful thing. It is always inspiring to see people that are passionate about something or for something. People who are sold out and 100% committed to a cause, to an organization, to a purpose, to something that drives them to give everything that they have to that thing, to that person, to that something. And when we see it, it inspires us and it encourages us to want to be better, to be better people, to be better Christians, a better mom, a better dad, a better student, a better leader, a better teacher, a better leader, to run our business in a better way, to be a better church. They inspire us to want to be more than we are. We look at individuals like para-athletes that that do what most people wouldn't even consider doing against unbelievable odds. They compete at unbelievable levels. And I don't know about you, but when I look at something like that, I'm inspired It makes me want to go jog. (laughs) 
And that's a miracle. We look at wounded warriors who have given so much for our freedom and for our country and literally have lost life and limb for us. And we are inspired and we want to be better because of the sacrifices that they make for us. We look at someone like William Tinsdale. Now, you might not know William Tinsdale, but William Tinsdale is responsible for the Bible that you're probably holding in your hand or that is on your shelf or that rests within your iPad or your iPhone. See, some 500 years ago, they told William, no matter what, don't even think about translating the Bible into English. England said don't. The Catholic Church says don't even think about it. You stay away from that. But William took the Hebrew and the Greek and he translated it into English. And you know what they did to William? They tied him to a stake. They strangled him. And they burnt him to death. Because he was willing to do, quite honestly, what most are not willing to do. And his story brings inspiration to us. Jesse Owens won four gold medals, and he set a long jump record that, set, that stayed for 25 years in the 1936 Berlin Olympic Games in the backyard of one Mr. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Spit in his face by winning four gold medals. He literally put a country on his legs and he ran and he jumped to glory. And his story still to this day inspires the masses. Dr. Ravi Zacharias, an evangelist born in India, loved by millions, shared the stage with Billy Graham, preached all over the world. He was an intellectual man, a defender of the faith. An incredible man. In fact, Tim Tebow said this of Dr. Ravi Zacharias. He said, I think it's really important in life to have heroes, and especially in the faith. And one of my heroes of the faith is a man named Ravi Zacharias. They say that if you preach from your weakness, you'll never run out of material. So this morning... I would like to preach from my weakness. One of the questions that pastors get or preachers get or anyone that stands on a stage and opens their mouth and says things is, how do you know what to speak on? How do you know what to say? There's lots of answers. And I could sound really spiritual and say, listen, the only, thing I, the only time I speak is when I hear God speak directly to me. And then I open my mouth, and what you're hearing is directly from the Lord. That sounds awesome. But the truth is, most of what I speak on are things that God is pointing out in my life. Inconsistencies, hypocrisies weaknesses, struggles, things that God is convicting me of. And so I listen to what God is teaching me, and I think, surely there's got to be someone else in the church that can relate to what God is teaching me. 
And so this morning, that's what I want to speak on. About six weeks ago, I was reading Psalm 119, and I get to the 10th verse, and the scripture says this, David writes, with my whole heart, I have sought you. And I stopped right there. With my whole heart, I have sought you. I'm going to be honest with you, church. I was troubled by what I read. And the reason that I was troubled by what I read is I thought to myself, honestly, many times in my life, I can't say what David said in this passage. With my whole heart, I have sought you. I can't stand and say, you know, that's, the, that's an average day for me. With my whole heart, I seek God every single day. It should be. I mean, after all, you pay me to be a minister of the gospel at Faith Baptist Church. But I'm ashamed to say that it is not most days that I can stand and declare with my whole heart, God, I have sought you. That's hard to say. It's hard to admit. It's hard to confess. But God knows that's the truth. So I like the second half of the verse better. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. I love this. The first part, he says, I've sought you with my whole heart. And then he goes, it's like he catches himself, or at least me, when I, when I read that, I thought, oh, yes, David, you're human just like me. Oh, let, let me, by the way, I also need to confess my tendency to wander. My, my, my prone nature to walk away from you, God. Oh, with my whole heart, I have sought you. But let me not wander from your commandments because you know me and you know that I am prone to wander. You know that I am prone to leave. You know that I am prone to walk away. God, you know me. I am not what I should be. So God, help me to not wander. And I like that. I want to spend a few minutes this morning speaking on the subject of how to have a wholehearted faith in a half-hearted world. How to have a wholehearted faith in a half-hearted world. There's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Caleb. We're going to be reading in Joshua chapter 14 this morning. And in Joshua chapter 14, also Numbers 13 and 14, it sort of unpacks for us the narrative of, of Joshua, of, of Caleb and Joshua. This morning we're speaking specifically on Caleb, and Caleb was an interesting man. First of all, Caleb's name literally means wholehearted. His name means wholehearted. Two words brought together, whole and hearted, wholehearted, that was Caleb. Now, I don't know what your name means. I thought about that. I thought, Duff. Simpson's beer. <laughs> it's so funny. Whenever I meet someone, they'll go, Duff? And I go, yeah. And they go, like Simpson's beer? I'm like, yes. Like Simpson's beer. But I don't know what your name means. But for Caleb, it was wholehearted. And it described him perfectly. It described him perfectly. Moses goes into Egypt, 
and the exodus takes place. He leads the children of Israel out. They cross the Red Sea. God does miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Caleb is watching all of this. They get to the edge of the promised land. Moses says, I need 12 people to go in to spy out the land. 12 people to check it out, to let us know kind of what's going on there. What is it like? What are the people like? What are the cities like? How fortified is it? Can we do what God is asking us to do? They send the 12 spies in. They come back. Caleb and Joshua are the only two that give a good report. They come back and they say it's exactly what God said. Now let's go get what God has given to us. God can do this, so let's go get it. But the 10 sissies, the 10 spineless spiritual sissies, started whining and complaining and say there's giants in the land, it's too difficult, the walls are too high in the city, it is going to be a massacre. Caleb and Joshua are the only two that said, let's go get it. So they take a vote. And Caleb and Joshua get outvoted. And do you know what happens? This wholehearted man of faith has to wander in a circle for 45 years because they were scared. To make it worse, he watches everyone around him die, including his friend and his leader, Moses. Then Caleb takes over the band of travelers, and they get to the edge of the promised land again. And this is where we pick up and find someone who teaches us an incredible thing. Everyone else was scared and they were afraid, but not Caleb. They saw giants and he saw giant possibilities. They saw obstacles and he saw opportunities. They said, we can't because, and Caleb says, we can because God can and God will. God said it, so let's go ahead and do it. But they wouldn't. And so we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 14, and we see the narrative of a man who has a wholehearted faith in a half-hearted world. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 14. If you've not, we're going to look at some verses of Scripture. We're going to draw some, some conclusions, some make some applications, and then we'll close our time this morning. First of all, we see Joshua's commitment. We see his commitment. In Joshua chapter 14, verses 7 and 8, it says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Berna to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. I wholly followed the Lord my God. Church, let me share with you something that you already know. Being a Jesus follower, having a wholehearted faith, is not about what you do for God. It's not about what I do for God. It's not about what we do for God. It is all about what God is able to do through us. And Caleb knew that God could do some incredible things through him. He trusted that. He believed that. 
The trick is not trying to be a hero of our own story but to try and to try to live harder for God, but it's fully submitting and allowing God to live through us. In other words, the foundation to committing is found in submitting first to God. God, you've got me. Whatever you want, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. And God, if you promised us the land, regardless of what is in it, we are committed to do it. That's commitment. He was settled in his mind and he was sold out. James chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And that phrase, double-minded, means to have two separate hearts. And when we are divided in our heart, in our love, in our passion, in our pursuit, in our wants, our goals, in our desires, when we are divided, when we've got one foot in and one foot out, when we're really not committed to King Jesus, it is a train wreck. You know it. You've tried it. How do I know you've tried it? Because I've tried it. You've tried it. We've all tried it. And it is a mess. Somebody say amen. It's true. We can't do it. We, we can't try to love God and then love everything else. Jesus said you can't have two masters. It doesn't work that way. I know that sounds great, but it doesn't work that way. He was fully committed to his faith he was wholehearted in a half-hearted world. There is a tradition amongst the guards who serve at the tomb of the unknown soldier. Whenever they salute a commission officer, they say in a loud voice, Line six, sir. And what line six is, is a reference to line six of the Sentinel's Creed. In 99 words, this creed captures what it means to be a guard at the tomb. It states this, my dedication to the sacred duty is total and wholehearted. In the responsibility bestowed on me, never will I falter. And with dignity and perseverance, my standard will remain perfection. Through the years of diligence and praise and the discomfort of the elements, I will walk my tour in humble reverence to the best of my ability. It is he who commands the respect I protect, his bravery that made us so proud, surrounded by well-meaning crowds by day, alone in the thoughtful peace of night. This soldier will be honored in glory rest under, the eternal, under my eternal vigilance." There's someone who is committed to doing what they're called to do. The Bible calls us church, need I remind you, that we are soldiers in God's army. And God has commissioned us to do some things. To go into a dark world and to shine light. To love the unlovable. Like Tate talked about. He made reference in his the written and read foundation that we're to feed the hungry and we're to clothe the naked and we're to do the things that Jesus has commanded us to do. But we've got to be committed to that individually and as a church throughout our commitment to King Jesus. May others see us having a wholehearted faith in a half-hearted world. And then secondly, we see his character. We see his character, not only his commitment, but we see his character. In Joshua chapter 14, verses 11 through 12, and together we read, And yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. This is 45 years later, four decades later. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going in and for coming, 
for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain on which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how that Anakin were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Again, as God said. We see a guy with incredible character. Caleb was a man whose character was revealed when they showed up again on the edge of that promised land in a big way. He's 85 years old. He is not young anymore. And he still wants to do what God wants him to do. The truth is, tough times, and he went through it, often reveal what and who we are more than we like to think. For the next few moments, I, I really, I want you to, I don't want to offend you, but I just want you to think. There's an old saying that says, what's in the well eventually comes up in the bucket. Over the last 10 months, I believe some things have come up in our buckets. We have gone through some difficult days. But what troubles me is that it has revealed some things about myself that I don't particularly like. Is it possible? Is it possible that this pandemic that we have experienced and what we have gone through the uncertainties of our families, of our future, of our community, of our country, of our businesses, of the oil field, the schools, athletics, all of those things. Heartbreaking, agreed. But has it revealed a few things that prior to the pandemic remained hidden? Is it possible that this has not created fear but it's revealed it. Is it possible that what we've experienced over the last 10 months has not created hatred, but it has allowed us to see what was under the surface all along? It has not created bigotry or narrow-mindedness, but it has revealed what was perhaps already in our hearts. Is it possible that we have been weighed and balanced and found wanting? And that what was in the well has been brought up in the bucket. Is it possible that we as people, as a community, as a church, perhaps we're not quite as healthy as we thought we were? Is it possible that fear, frustration, anger, hatred, and a lack of faith or wholehearted pursuit of Jesus has been lacking because that's what we were before. 
this all happened to us? Has the veil been pulled back? And have who we are and what we had become prior to is just now a little bit more open for everyone to see. Now, before you get too angry at me, that's what I have discovered in me. Perhaps there was more fear in my heart, more hatred in my heart, more narrow-mindedness, more of those things that were in my spirit and in my soul than I would like to admit. And now I have been pressed. Now I have been tried. Now I have been pushed a little bit. I've been squeezed like a grape. And I've got to ask myself, what's come out of me? I'll tell you what's come out of me, church. Filth. Things that ought not to be in a child of God. I'm, I'm ashamed at what has been in my spirit. And I don't think it just showed up. I think to some degree it has been revealed. And my spiritual character has been found lacking. Not for Caleb. Not for Caleb. Caleb went through something we couldn't possibly imagine. Ten months, 45 years, he walked in a circle because of some sissies that didn't want to claim the promises of God. He was ticked. For 45 years, he watched everyone die around him. For 45 years, he listened to the whining and the complaining, and he was, I'm sure, sickened by it. But when he showed up on that promised landline again, his character was revealed. To have a wholehearted faith in a half-hearted world, it takes some spiritual character. He's 85 years old. He finally arrives. He looks at the toughest and most difficult terrain, and he says, give me this mountain. I don't want the easy. I don't want a gift. I don't want it just handed to me. I want to go get the mountain. He's 85 years old. We know nothing of this. We visit the mountains. We drive to the mountains. We go to the mountains to relax, to ski, to get in cooler weather, to enjoy ourselves, to sit in our cabins or on a porch somewhere just enjoying God's creation. And it's awesome. He he wasn't doing that. He was like, I'm going to carve out my own trail and the most difficult terrain. The giants, they will fall. My land will be established on that mountain at 85 years old. Listen, church, I'm telling you, that takes some spiritual character. I don't know if I want to be a Caleb. I like the vacation in the mountains. Could you imagine this, trying to climb up a mountain? You got to give me a few minutes. I can't fight. I'm just trying to breathe. Not Caleb. That, ladies and gentlemen, takes character. And lastly, his consistency. And I love this because I'm so inconsistent. And he was so consistent. 45 years later, Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. 
as he said these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. And yes, I am as strong this day as on that day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Church, that is one consistent man. Committed, yes. Character, I can't even imagine the kind of spiritual backbone that he had. But the consistency is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Someone said the secret of success is the consistency to pursue. Do you know why there's certain people that inspire us, that we look at? And, you know, I think of people, even people in our church, and you've, you've known people. You, but, you know, I think of, um, of Miss Ruby Parker. Hi, Miss Ruby. I think she's home watching. I love you. Don't get mad at me. Please. But for years and years and years and years and years, just nothing but faithfulness, consistency, and it's inspiring. Always an encouraging word to say, always something uplifting. Me, mom, the same way. I haven't known you as long, me, mom, but cut from the same spiritual cloth, loving God and loving people consistently. And it's inspiring to see. I've got spiritual moms at church. Think of Miss Joanne. Practically raised me in the faith. Preacher couldn't do it. He didn't know nothing. <laughs> Thank you, Joanne. And then sometimes that firm word from Miss Becky LaRue over the years. Now, Duff, let me tell you something. I was like, oh, you go, girl. All sassy. I just, I look at people in our church and I just see faithfulness. I see consistency. And it's nice to have a bunch of moms. By the way, mom, if you're watching, Christmas is coming soon. <laughs> Mikey been a good boy. <laughs> Consistency. Caleb had it. A young boy by the name of James had a desire to be rich and famous. He wanted to be the greatest manufacturer and salesman of cheese in the world. He had a little, a little buggy that he pulled, and he had a, a pony named Patty. And what he would do is he would make his cheese, or he would buy it from a store, and then he would mark the price up. And then he would go through the streets of Chicago, and he would try to sell his cheese. And he did this for months but after months of not really making any money at all, he was frustrated. He was distraught. And so on the way home, the story goes that he pulled the buggy to the side and he got in front of his pony named Patty. And he grabbed the bridle and he looked Patty in the eyes and he said, we're doing it wrong, Patty. We gotta change what we're doing. From now on, no matter what, we're going to serve God with all of our hearts. And everything that we do is going to be for God's honor. Because I think if we do that, Patty, I think we'll be able to sell more cheese. And 
And not only that, Patty, but we're going to give 25%, 25% of everything that we make to the Lord. And from this day forward, we're going to honor God in everything that we do. Years passed. And that little boy became a man. And that man became the Sunday school superintendent of a church, North Shore Baptist Church in Chicago. And he stood in front of his church and he said, you know, I would rather be a layman here at North Shore Baptist Church than be the owner of the most prestigious manufacturer in all of the world. Because I learned when I was a little boy that the most important thing that I could do was to give God all of my heart no matter what. So every time that you take a bite of Philadelphia cream cheese, sip some Maxwell House coffee, mix a quart of Kool-Aid, slice up a DiGiorno pizza, make a pot of mac and cheese, spread some Grey Poupon, stir a bowl of cream of wheat, eat some jello, or serve some stovetop stuffing. Remember a boy, his pony named Patty, and the promise that little James L. Kraft made on that day long ago, that no matter what, we're going to serve God with all of our hearts. Church, seeking God, serving God, and pursuing Him with all of our hearts, listen, it is the greatest thing we can do. It is the greatest thing that we can do. So this morning, I'm wondering if there's anybody in church that maybe for the first time in a long time will say, you know, I want to be a little bit more like Caleb. I want to have a wholehearted faith in a half-hearted world. I want to be committed. I want to have some character. And I want to be consistent throughout my life of loving and serving God. Listen to what God said about Caleb as we close. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, this is unbelievable. I mean, his biography in Scripture is enough. But when you get to Numbers chapter 24, and God says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit. My servant Caleb has a different spirit. Church, I'm asking you, how is your spirit this morning? And when people look at our lives, do they see a different spirit within us? Do they see someone who has a wholehearted faith in a half-hearted world? Because the truth is, is it doesn't matter what I say about you or anyone else. When, when God, the author and the finisher of our faith, says there's a different spirit within them. They're wholehearted in their pursuit towards me. Really, nothing else is that important. So this morning, whether you need to join the church or thank God for what he's done in your life, or perhaps just say, Lord, I'm coming again, and I'm asking that you help me to be wholehearted in my faith in this half-hearted world.
Whatever your need is, this invitation time will be open for you. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me while heads are bowed and eyes are closed? I want to pray over you, and then the invitation time is open. You move as God leads you to move. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the testimony um, that we find in Scripture about a man who teaches us much on what it means to be wholehearted in our faith. God, my prayer is that we would be committed to King Jesus that we would have the spiritual character to show Christ in a Christless world. And that when the world literally is burning down around us, may we be found standing, not for ourselves, not for a position, not for a right, not for a party, but God, that we would be standing and found absolutely pursuing you, loving you, and loving those around us. God, help us and strengthen us as a people to represent you in a way that honors your name. God, put a different spirit within us. Use our lives, use our families, use our church. God, help us to be consistent in those things. We give you this invitation time and ask that you would move in Jesus' name. Amen. If God has spoken... This invitation time is for you.